So I think every franchisee should look at their P&Ls and keep a close touch with other franchisees that are sophisticated, consult uh, financial and legal franchise professionals that have a their ear on the ground as to what is going on in the particular industry. And if you feel that you're going to be benefited by private equity, and you may, depending on which is the private equity company and depends on whether they're looking to pump and dump. Welcome to the Infinite Franchisee Show, where every franchisee meets infinite possibilities. Here, you will discover the executive level strategies needed to overcome the overwhelm, concentrate on explosive growth activities, and capture the life of your dreams with me, April Porter. I am an attorney, a former award-winning multi-unit franchisee, and a number one international best-selling author on a mission to help franchisees achieve infinite success. We're getting ready to start part two with Robert Zarco, all about private equity, why you should be wary of it, and how to look out for the dangers of private equity so that you can make moves in your business to protect yourself, your equity, and your lifestyle. So tune in here and then let us know what you think when it's all said and done. This is a trend that we're seeing more and more. What can a franchisee do if they are in a franchise right now owned by the original franchisor? What kind of signs can they look for that maybe that franchisor is gearing up to sell to private equity? If the franchisor is looking to expand, if the franchisor is successful, if the franchisor you believe has a great concept but is not growing as much as it would like to because it doesn't have the the cash and does not have the ability to market and generate new franchisees, that is a perfect, perfect candidate to be attractive to private equity. However, based on the number of transactions that I am seeing and reviewing, I will tell you that private equity is buying almost anything they can get their hands on because there is such a gigantic influx of investment dollars available in this country at this time that's driving up the cost of not only homes and cars and and gasoline and all that stuff that that this economy is is not heading into is in the midst of that there are there's also a lot more private equity dollars available and since investors are looking for returns the fastest way to get the return is to buy a business that is already moving it's like you're jumping on a high speed train unlike a private equity company that wants to come up with a new concept and see if it works it's much faster, much more efficient to jump on a high-speed train, which would be a franchise or that's already operating. So I think every franchisee should look at their P&Ls and keep a close touch with other franchisees that are sophisticated, consult uh, financial and legal franchise professionals that have a their ear 
on the ground as to what is going on in the particular industry. And if you feel that you're going to be benefited by private equity, and you may, depending on which is the private equity company and depends on whether they're looking to pump and dump. And pump and dump means that they're looking to pump sales of the system through the tremendous marketing programs. Like I said, they could be marketing programs at the expense of franchisees in order to increase the net income for them for their exit strategy to be within three to seven years and more typically five to seven years. That is the typical life of a private equity investment. It is not the same intention that a franchisor has who develops their their baby, their mousetrap, and wants to hold on to it forever. Um, the days of Dave Thomas and a lot of these other franchisors that you know purchased and held on, you know, forever, like a Ray Kroc, those days are over. Right now, you have private equity who's looking for these companies to be able to expand them, increase their net income, sell them at high multiples, and get out and then start again and go ahead and give a, a substantial return on the investment of the private equity investors and then move on to their next prey or their next catch. If you find yourself in that situation that you think that you're vulnerable, my advice is to sell and get out and get out quick because later you're not going to be able to get out for the same value. And if you're a franchisee that is not deemed to have a, what is called a positive contributive attitude, meaning that the franchisor says jump and you say, how high, if you're not that franchisee, then you're going to start button heads with the new people running the new company. And that could be problematic with you and for you. So you need to do some some studies. Don't sit and wait and think that the hurricane is not going to hit your home. It could very easily. It creeps up on you until this closing of that transaction. And then it'll hit you like a tornado because private equity moves quickly. They have tens or hundreds of millions of dollars invested in these ventures. And they need to get the return out quick. Because the faster you get the return, the more, the higher the percentage of the return. The longer the return is in, the greater that the division denominator is, at which point the return is lower. And then they have to publicize to their investors that their return was only 14% instead of projected 38%. You see what I'm saying? So you've got to be sure that you keep your fingers on a pulse. And don't sit there and wait and think that just because the last 20 years were glory years, that your next 20 are going to be the same. Focus carefully on your renewal agreements. Focus carefully on how much time you have left before your renewal. And if you don't have renewal, look carefully at your expiration dates to see when is it that things are going to occur. Do not wait for the last minute and do not assume that the franchisor is going to do the right thing because they did during the last 10 years. That same franchisor may not be sitting in the C-suite as a CEO or a C-level employee anymore. 
because private equity will be putting in their own team. And before, when you were John Smith, the owner of the store in Nashville, Tennessee, you are no longer that John Smith owner of the store in Tennessee. You are unit 1238. And whatever 1238 generates, that's what we look at. We don't care about your family. We don't care about how you got there. We don't care about whether your children are in college and you have college expenses. It doesn't matter. Private equity is all about a quantifiable analysis. It's quantitative. It's not qualitative. They want both. They want a wonderful qualitative franchisee that is generating great money. But a lot of times it's not quite that way. Sometimes you have the person that just likes to spend time in the, in the restaurant and take care of their, of their customers, but that may not be the most profitable use of their time. Others may be a lot less social, but at the same time, what they're doing is they are sacrificing quantity, quantitative returns. So it's a different ballgame. We are in a different era. And when you combine that different era and perspective of these venture capital funds and now these new SPACs, these special purpose acquisition companies, wow, be very careful with those. Those are a real problem, real, real problem. A lot of people are getting hurt in these SPACs. Do not go forward blindly. Be fully informed. They can have serious ramifications for you. Some positive, some negative. It depends on which side of the fence you fall on. So for people who are looking at buying a franchise, is do the FTDs include a disclosure whether or not they're owned by private equity? Or how would they know going into it that they're going into a private equity situation? For franchisees that are looking to buy a franchise now, the FDD must disclose who the owners of the company are and if there is a private equity fund that controls it. I was looking at an FDD the other day of a major franchisor. I'm a rather sophisticated guy. I have a tremendous amount of academic background and I have been involved in franchise systems over 550 of them. Over the last 38 years, I can read an FDD faster than anybody, probably. And I'm going to tell you, I had to read at least five times all of the different companies that are part of the franchisor. There may be one technical name that is a franchisor. But when you look at that franchisor has a parent, which has another parent. And then the other one has a subsidiary, which is controlled by another entity. And they all have similar names. I don't know whether 2% of the franchisees in this, in this country could decipher who is responsible for what and what do they own. Sometimes a franchisor has like no assets. So if you ever have a problem, you need to sue the franchisor. They don't have assets. You have to go after the parent company. And these all... These are all corporate structurally designed webs of entities and holding companies to make uh, that are designed to make sure that the goods, the gold, is as far away from anyone who's looking to grab it in the event something goes wrong. When you look at these FDDs, look first of all, look at them. 
most franchisees only focus us on who are the parties. I mean, who are the contracting party? What is the address, the name of the business, the location? How much am I going to pay royalty and advertising? And how much is it going to cost to build? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, those are the least important elements. It's all the other elements of the relationship that are causing franchisees to either be successful or to fail miserably. You need to have someone look at these agreements and make the small investment that it takes to get this done so that you know where you're putting your dollars and at what risk and what can happen. And if it's someone who has their finger on the pulse as to the industry, meaning the franchise industry, as well as the industry within the franchise industry, whether it be automotive, cleaning, restaurants, hotels, then you will be able to have your own crystal ball, assuming you do the right research. And that's where franchisees get in trouble. They're so excited about the fact that they're getting into a business that has a wonderful name and they have no idea what companies are behind it and what their ultimate intent is. We actually talked about that on a previous episode of the, of the podcast where people tend to jump into something they're passionate about and the excitement level gets so high that sometimes we get blinders on. We have rose-colored glasses on. And so not only is it extraordinarily important to get that help when you're first entering a franchise, but it's equally as important to do that when you are up for renewal. And there's a new FDD. Like the terms have completely changed from when you originally signed up 10 years previously on your franchise agreement and the industry has changed, the economics have changed, the country has changed. You need to have someone looking over that franchise agreement, even when you're renewing. Don't just assume, oh, I'm already in the system. I just have to sign this to get another 10 years. April, that's such great advice. And the reason is franchisees that know that their agreement has a renewal automatically assume that their current existing contract that delineates and sets forth their current and existing relationship is going to simply be renewed for another 10 or 20 years. The reality is that these franchise agreements all have a provision that specifically says that upon renewal, the franchisor will provide you, franchisee, with a new franchise agreement which is in its then current form that is being sold to new franchisees looking to become franchisees at that time. That means that you're not going to get a renewal of your existing franchise agreement. You are going to get the then existing current franchise agreement being offered to new franchisees at that time. And that could be 10 years after you signed your first agreement, or in many cases, 20 years. A lot has happened in 20 years. The system has evolved. The method of doing business has evolved. The economics have evolved. The products have evolved. The competition has evolved. Our country has evolved. The method of doing business has evolved. The consumer has evolved. Social media, the internet has changed the manner in which America is running their businesses. Many businesses are now automated. Labor is being reduced on a per person basis, meaning the number of people because of increased automation. But increased automation costs a lot more money. And the few la- fewer laborers you have are getting paid a lot more money because of the current financial condition that we have in this country. So it is a new 
ball game. So yeah. when you're going to sign a renewal, you need to do an analysis as if it was your first purchase. You need to get your financial advisors and legal advisors involved because it's a new ball game on a new day in a new country. So we've talked about all of the, well, we haven't talked about all because there's so many things out there that franchisees really need to be aware of and be, as business owners, we need to do more than have just our focus on the franchise itself. We, we still need to have our focus on what's going on in the world, what's going on in our industry, what's going on on the legal side, the finance side, all those things. And so, but we've talked a little bit about what currently is going on in franchising that franchisees need to have their eye on. What I want to know from you now is what are you most excited about that franchisees could look forward to in the franchising industry? The most exciting thing for me is the growth in franchising as a way of doing business. I, during the last three years, have been getting so many more people coming to develop you know, new franchise concepts because they've got su- you know, su- new ideas. And I find that to be exciting. I find it exciting that people are actually going to what I'm going to call legitimate lawyers that understand franchising uh, before launching a franchisee into a franchise relationship. I cannot tell you how many people come to me and say, I want to franchise. And I say, wait, wait, wait a second. That's a mouthful. There's a lot of things that you're obligating yourself to. There's a lot, you know, that tangled web we weave when we go into franchising. You have a lot of obligations. Did you ever think that at this point, maybe you should start a licensing arrangement? Or the reality is that your business does not require all the controls necessary to be operated. And maybe you just do a, you know, pursue it as a business opportunity that you're selling. And there are different requirements, different obligations, different fees, different expenses. And wherever I can save my clients money by giving them advice that they should only purchase or invest in what they need, as opposed to just calling themselves a franchise company and not recognizing that there are a series and and, a huge amount of obligations that they have. Uh, to the franchisees, which increases the number of vulnerabilities that the franchisor has. So at that point, when somebody comes in and says, I want you to franchise my company, first thing that I do is determine whether or not they are franchisable, but most importantly, whether or not they are willing to promote fair franchising. If they are not willing to promote fair franchising, I will not have any further conversations with any new venture. I'm not interested in it because I spent my entire career promoting fair franchising and uh, speaking before legislatures as an expert in franchise to get fair franchising bills and laws passed. And that it would be, uh, it would go totally against my values and my principles to promote a company that wants to become a franchisor that I know that all they want to do is line their pockets at the expense of franchisees. Both parties must agree to act in good faith, even if they don't, the law in every state except Texas, maybe one more, requires that every contract between parties have as an implied term, the doctrine of good faith and fair dealing. And that if I suspect that anyone does not have that as a pivotal requirement, and how can I say 
goal in terms of setting up their business, then I'm not interested in doing that at all. On that, we agree 100%. And I think that's why we get along so well. <laughs> the last question I have for you is at Ask Your Reporter, what we are teaching franchisees, because all of these topics that we discuss with you and with the other, you know, behemoths in the franchising industry are always, there's multiple tiers, right? There's what the franchisee needs to deal with every day in their own business to be successful. There's what the franchisee needs to deal with within the brand and their franchisor to be successful. And then there's the global world of franchising legislatively and other things that can also impact their business. So at Ask April Porter, we're always working on just that day-to-day, how are you successful in your own individual business? And one of the things that we're helping franchisees do is work less in the business so that they can enjoy the fruits of their labor. And as a successful business owner who has achieved such an amazing level of success within your company, we're interested to know how do you enjoy the fruits of your labor? What do you like to do in your off time? You must be able to disconnect a little bit. I spend a lot of time outdoors. I'm an avid voter. I spend as much time as I can on the water. My house is on the water, so my boats are behind my house. I spend as much time as I can on the water, just in the quietest area possible so that I can really disconnect away from planes, trains, and automobiles. I spend a lot of time, a lot of time with my family, with my children. We have family dinners. We travel together, and and I love exploring the outdoors. I'm not a golfer. I just don't like chasing that little ball around to little holes. But I know how to play golf and I do it when my buddies want to do it, but not my thing. But anything to do primarily with water sports or water activities or boating, that's my thing. Well, that sounds amazing. And we're going to have to get out on the water one of these days together. Calm down, bring your friends. I will show you a good time. I know you all. So thank you so, so much for joining us on the Infinite Franchisee Show. We are so appreciative of your wealth of knowledge and mostly, and most importantly, those core values that you spoke about where I know that you are such a bulldog and a fighter for what is fair in franchising. And we we love that about you. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to have your contact information in our show notes for anyone who wants to reach out and have a consultation with Zarco. You cannot go wrong by doing so. And we hope to have you again on the podcast in the future. It'll be my pleasure. I have a tremendous amount of passion and commitment to this industry, to my work, to my clients, to the law, and to my employees. And therefore, April, I plan to be around for a long time because I have no desire to retire. Well, we're glad to hear it. Do you love the Infinite Franchisee Show? I'd love to hear from you. Take 60 seconds and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. It is such a small thing that can help so many other franchisees and entrepreneurs find us. And then they can discover infinite possibilities too. Thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, remember, there are infinite opportunities to grow your business and reach the sanity, wealth, and gratitude you deserve. So don't ever settle for anything less than infinite success.